Welcome to the Kyber Radio Rundown, the show where we collect takes from all the hosts on the biggest stories of the week and force them to compete for cake supremacy. I'm Jake Rummel. Usually I do some extended metaphor that describes what the show is in a way that's probably more confusing than it is informative, but I don't have time for that today. It's tough to know where to begin, actually. Let's just start with the latest reactions to the presidential election. I was hoping we'd have an actual winner by this point, but no such luck, at least while we're recording this at 6 p.m. on Thursday. One of the biggest stories at this point in the week is what kind of success Trump might have at challenging the legitimacy of results in certain states. Dave Ross asked former Washington State Attorney General Rob McKenna about this. The state law in Pennsylvania states that all ballots must be received by 5 p.m. on Election Day in order to be counted, including ballots that are mailed in. And they upheld that rule for the primary election earlier this year. But the state Supreme Court subsequently found back in September that because of all the problems created by COVID, by the pandemic, that we're in a state of natural disaster. And they decided, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania decided, that if ballots arrive by the end of the day on November 6th, they would still be counted. That's the challenge that was taken up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court declined to rule on it prior to Election Day uh, this week, uh, but it's likely that they'll take it up after uh, this week at some point. Okay, so they have one more day to receive ballots, right? That's There's no controversy about that, is there? Well, the controversy is under Pennsylvania state law, the ballots are all supposed to be in by 5 p.m. November 3rd. So the Supreme Court basically of, of Pennsylvania, you know, basically created a new deadline in their ruling. Mm-hmm. The question is, is that constitutional under the federal oh, constitution? And does it violate does it violate federal statutes? Because federal statutes in particular, um, three USC section one federally designate a uniform election day. Uh, and so the Republicans in Pennsylvania are arguing that, that, that allowing ballots to that come in after election day to be counted violates that uniformity provision. Wait a second, though. We allow that. As long as you get the ballot in, it's postmarked by election day, we accept it. Indeed. And uh, that's that's very interesting. So it would be curious to see the Supreme Court deciding that states that make that decision are somehow you know, violating a federal law. That seems unlikely to me. Tom and John also speculated on what might happen if a challenge like this makes it to the Supreme Court. Republicans in Pennsylvania challenging that it allows that all mail-in ballots that arrive by 5 p.m. on Friday, tomorrow, Tom, are counted. Yes. Well, and that's what the Supreme... the. The state Supreme Court yes. decided, and the U.S. Supreme Court Kick did back. not overrule. Now, another wrinkle to that wrinkle is that when it was thrown back to, well, you know, we're not going to overthrow it or overturn it, it was four to four. Well, guess what's changed now in the, in the Supreme mm-hmm. Court? We have Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. And then the question is, would she recuse herself? Probably not. Would she then say, well, you know, at this point to overturn uh, a decision not to overturn pre, pre-election in the post-election might not seem fair, or mm-hmm. she might side with whatever reason, rationale the, the four conservatives uh, ruled initially. She could be a fifth, uh, fifth decision. And indeed, if that's the case, that could, uh, be exactly what Donald Trump said. Listen, we got to get this lady on the court. We need to get that fifth vote in case the election comes down to that. Right. So that's all very interesting. And one other, one other sort of contextual thing, at least based on the reading I've done, it sounds like those votes are 
like conditional or provisional or something that I'm not sure that they've been included uh, in the count. Right. They've asked and, them to be taken off and put over into like a yes. separate basket. Yes. But then they say, well, then how do we know that and who's securing those? And then are you including those in and when do you include them in? Because they've never done this before, they don't have any system in place on this. So this is certainly, but, if you want a challenge, and if it does come down to, does Pennsylvania become the new Florida? And Florida with the 7-2 ruling on, are we going to do another count, not another count? And then finally yes. they just said, fine. And Al Gore did a great job, got up and said, listen, this is it. This is the system we have, and this is what we do, and I concede. So that's the case, and ran a good race. And Donald Trump is not going to pull an Al Gore. He doesn't have to. It's Joe <laughs> Biden has to do that, Joe. <laughs> oh, I see. McKenna did acknowledge all of this might not matter in the end. If other states decide this election, I think the attention on Pennsylvania will fade. And even if the U.S. Supreme Court uh, overruled Pennsylvania's rule, yeah. uh, it wouldn't change the outcome of the election. So I don't think, uh, given the trend lines and the vote counting right now, I, I don't think it's likely this will come down to Pennsylvania. But if it does, it does come down to one legal challenge from one state, it's probably this one because of the huge number of votes that Pennsylvania received in the mail after right. Election Day. Troy Monson raised concerns about voter fraud. I am traditionally not a conspiracy theorist, but the stuff that I'm seeing today about this presidential election, I actually do believe that it's being stolen. And again, I turn to, to numbers, to stats, to data, to try to back that up. And I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. In Minnesota, they had 90% voter turnout this year. 90%. Uh, the last four presidential elections, Minnesota's turnout was 79%, 78%, 76%, 75% in 2016. And that jumps to 90% in 2020. Wisconsin, starting in 2004, voter turnout. 73, 69, 70, 67, and then suddenly 89% in 2020. So they, they added hundreds of thousands of voters who never voted before, who never cared about an election before. That does not add up. I actually believe these Trump campaign lawsuits against the states are going to prevail based on what I'm seeing today. Jean Ursula asked University of Washington law professor Lisa Mannheim the absolute latest this could all be resolved. In most states, the overarching process is going to look the same, which is that what we're seeing thus far are all unofficial results. Um, then there's going to be what's called a canvas. And in the canvas, the election officials correct mistakes and they make sure the numbers all line up. Um, and then we proceed to the certified totals. And it's at that point that you may have a recount going forward. You could have election contests brought in the court. Um, and the deadline by which this all needs to be resolved, on the one hand, is going to be set by each state's laws. But the federal government has also given essentially an incentive to the states to get it all done by December 8th. So I'll be pretty surprised if any of this is going forward beyond uh, December 8th um, in terms of the, the, the litigation in the states. Uh, and it may very well may be resolved before then as well. <laughs> What's that? They'll probably call a bunch of states immediately after I post this episode. None of this will matter. No, yeah, I know. Thank you for reminding me of the pointlessness of my endeavors here. Last thing on the presidential election, the polls. 
Why were they so off in some cases? Florida in particular seemed to be off by like five points. I'm sure over the course of the next week and month and probably even year, we'll see all sorts of explanations. But here's a theory put forward by University of Washington professor Mark Allen Smith when he was talking to Kyra Knight's host, Mike Lewis. All right. So with voter registration, this is typically a face-to-face enterprise. So normally in a non-COVID year, this happens at festivals, it happens outside of grocery stores, it happens door-to-door, it happens through community groups. Right. Well, face-to-face contact has declined considerably in the COVID era, as, as we all know. And furthermore, the, the parties have, have taken different stances on essentially how serious is the coronavirus threat and how much social distancing should you be doing, um, and, and so on. So in the case on the, on the Republican side, you know, the, the president had, you know, big rallies and um, people would come without masks and they're like, hey, you know, I'm not really all that worried about this, this coronavirus thing. And then meanwhile, they're also probably more likely to be interacting with, with other people and, and so on. But on the Democratic side, there was a lot more concern about coronavirus. And so, so smaller events. And, and the thing about voter registration is because it requires the face-to-face contact, if the Republicans are willing to like go door-to-door and register people, and the Democrats are like, no, that's not safe. We're not going to go door-to-door to register people. Well, that's going to really hurt the Democratic registration drives that, that hinge upon this face-to-face contact. So the, my hypothesis is that the coronavirus ends up helping Trump through voter registration. Why wouldn't the polls have picked up this registration disparity, though? It's tricky for the polls to pick that up because the thing about about um, an election is you're trying to project who are the voters going to be, but in fact you don't know who the voters are going to be, so you're using your best estimates. Uh, for other kinds of polling, when we have, say, census data as our benchmark, like if you if you do a poll and you know how many you know older people, how many African Americans, how many uh, people from a given state, and so on, you can bench that mark that against the census, and we're really confident in, in the census data. Right. But with election data, it varies from one election to the next, so you never really know for sure. Like, well, how many Republicans are going to show up to vote? How many Democrats are going to show up to vote? And so the pollsters, when they um, uh, uh, try to contact people, they will generally wait on, on party identification, and which they then use as a projection for who's going to be there in the election. But of course, that's the very thing you're trying to predict. So you're, you're using kind of some, some guesswork you know, based upon previous elections or other data that you might have in order to make those, those projections. And so it just may not have picked up this this voter um, the, the voter registration drives that were disproportionately favoring Republicans. I should mention that Professor Smith made all sorts of caveats about how this is a very rough theory and he hasn't gotten a chance to try to back it up with data yet. Just a disclaimer that he was emphatic about that I cut for time. Let's get a little local flavor in here as well. The Inslee Culp race for governor was a bit of a foregone conclusion, but the wrinkle now is that Culp refuses to concede. Here's Dory Monson trying to get him to explain why he still thinks he has a chance. I don't see any chance at all. I mean, I, I really, I'm trying to figure out uh, if you say there is a chance, what is the pathway to you somehow flipping the results of this election? Because I see zero chance. Well, yeah, this is the first time that you said it's zero chance. You said it uh, a few weeks before the election. I, I so did. I don't hold that against you. I don't hold that against you at all. There's a lot of people don't. that think we didn't have a chance. But um, every vote's going to be counted, Dory. I, I support all those voters. Um, all the people in this state, and their vote matters. 
And until the Secretary of State certifies this election, it's not over. The other weird Culp thing is that on top of everything else, he announced this week that he lost his original job as Republic Chief of Police. Here's Gene Ursula. I will point out that the supporters of many of his supporters think that Governor Inslee has something to do with this. I think the fact that he was able to campaign for so long, uh, he's the only police chief, I think maybe the city council, and we've reached out to the city council for comment, but perhaps they've figured out they don't need to have a police chief uh, and pay that salary if he was able to go away for so long and, you know, campaign, which he has the right to do. Um, but I will say this. It seems a little harsh. Actually, it seems really harsh and kind of rude. You served the department for 10 years because he said he didn't even get a thank you. Now, that's rude. Um, I'll say this. Let me let me just give some props to Lauren Colt. The fact that he made it that far in this governor's race, when you look at the pamphlet and it's absolutely empty, is impressive. Dory asked Colt about this as well. Are you telling me that... Uh, was that somehow politically motivated? Well, I, I don't think that anything is not politically motivated. That's a decision that they made. Um, it's kind of strange, the timing of it. You know, they made that decision, I guess, on Thursday. They called a special meeting. I know that they said they're just going to contract with the Ferry County Sheriffs instead of, uh, I mean, I, I could understand if it was a purely fiscal decision. Are you telling me that there's some people on the republic city council who don't like your politics and they were targeting you for that reason well if you talk to them they'll tell you that they're conservative but uh, the same people that voted to um, not have me as their chief of police anymore are the same people that didn't stand up for citizens rights two years ago so well, i mean that that tells me a lot and finally john's explanation for cope losing his job was more pecuniary okay here's what i think happened so he leaves to go campaign so he's traveling he's not there that's the only sheriff in town say we got to get somebody so they then they contract out and they bring in ferry uh, ferry county and they get in the sheriff they they probably did the sheriff's department right out there and they're like hey look at this what it costs us to to contract with those guys as opposed to having somebody on staff and being conservatives and being concerned with people's taxpaying dollars, exactly. they probably said, this is a better deal for us. No offense, uh, sh- Officer Culp, but this one works out better for the people of Republic. So we're going to be able to uh, contract with the sheriff there at Ferry County. And you listen, you'll find another job or you could write another book it booklet. <laughs> and uh, you can't fault yeah. us. We're here to save people money. Exactly. In fact, this is what they discovered, that they, the Ferry County could do the same uh, service that he was offering for $61,000 less. They Ferry County got $164,000 for covering it, mm-hmm. and uh, that's $61,000 less. So he must have been making you know, a good $200,000 plus um, in his uh, a job, and they realized, I can save $61,000. We are going through all sorts of budget cuts, like lots of cities are, because of the uh, impact of the uh, coronavirus uh, economy. Yeah. So they just did. They and they've said they've got no problem with that cult. They think he did a fine job. So that's the Kyber Radio Rundown for November 5th, 2020. Once again, I'm Jake Rummel. I also produce, edit and mix the show. We're going to try something new here on the rundown. I have this old Google voicemail box that I haven't done anything with in a while. If you call the number 707-559-8102 and that's 707-559-8102. You can leave me a message about anything you want, but if it's funny or interesting or if it's feedback for the rundown, I'll try to incorporate it into the show somehow. 
Thanks for listening. You don't always have time to listen to every Kyber Radio show, but you'll always have time for the Kyber Radio Rundown. See you on Tuesday.